Hello, my friends, and welcome to Armor Party Podcast. I am your host, Mike Forrester, and I'm back after a long hiatus. It has been a while since our last episode. I apologize for that, and I want to say thank you to everyone who's contributed to all of these epic projects that have happened since December. It's truly a pleasure to be a part of the costuming community within Star Wars, and to everyone who's reached out and said, when do we get new episodes? Hey, Today is your lucky day. We've got a lot more coming down the pipeline from here. But hey, let's talk about celebration real quick. It sounds like it's going to be an amazing time for those who are able to go. And for the rest of us, we're going to get some new announcements, hopefully a trailer or two. It sounds like it's going to be an amazing time. So uh, Bad Batch is coming to a close. The Mandalorian's almost done. It's the best time to be a Star Wars fan. I hope you agree. I hope you're using this motivation of all this new content to go out and build because I know my next guest absolutely is. Speaking of which, he's one of the most talented Swiss Army Knife costumers in the game, and he's become an absolute anchor for me to depend on and continues to be an inspiration in his passion for the craft. I cannot wait for you to give this one a listen. So if you're feeling the con crunch of celebration, go ahead and turn this one up and get back to work. But mostly, enjoy the show. This show is no strangers to makers, but my next guest certainly defines the word entirely. From modeling to masking, priming to printing, sewing to sanding, he has the wisdom of Yoda with the energy of Ezra. A combined 45 costumes makes him one of the most well-suited members in the entire 501st Legion. The final member of the Dad Batch podcast to be featured on Armor Party, I am beyond excited to finally get to hear one of the best stories in the club with my friend, Ramey Shanaday. Ramey, welcome to the Armor Party. Thank you. It's uh, it's good to be here. I, honestly, Mike, this show served as an inspiration for us when we were putting together the Dad Batch. So uh, it, it's I, I'm honored and flattered to be able to be on here with you. So... Well, I, you know, I think when, when we come to really what this, I, I feel like this community over the past, since COVID and, and all of this stuff, I think like the, the community was just aching for connection in the ways that, you know, for many of us, it's like what we do in dressing up in this stuff is to share the love of, um, you know, excitement for Star Wars, but also creativity. And so I actually, in some ways, am... Uh, looking back on it in a terrible, terrible way, I almost like really hold on to that time where we weren't busy enough that we were just connecting with each other, right? And me with the Think the Maker guys and like an armor party just being like, I have to share these incredible stories that I'm learning. Um, and normally like we had been, we're, we're so busy doing things. And so I'm thrilled to see how crazy connected we all are since 2020 actually blows my mind because I consider many of you uh, friends because we talk every day. And that is crazy when you think yeah. about it in regards to like our like quote unquote real life friends, right? Um, I, I feel like I talk to you guys more than I talk to pretty much anyone else uh, in in my, my casual sphere of like non-work, non-life people. Uh, so, I mean, dude, it's amazing. It, it really is. I mean, is this like blow your mind to think that like here we are in 2023 
after an amazing celebration last year. You guys are getting ready to go to celebration next year. Like, what has this been for you? You know what? It's this has been a wild ride. So, I mean, yeah, we had celebration. I think that was the first time I met you in person. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't even have the context. I wish I could like take what I know now and go back in time, sure, and, and put that information into my head because it would have meant it would have meant so much more to me at that moment because I didn't know I didn't know you and and sure, so sure. I, I you knew the other guys and um, but and then since then we started doing the, the Dad Batch show and and again yeah. you were such an inspiration for us as we were working on that. And then, and then we got into the fall and you started doing your, uh, the ornament project and just all of the legendary stuff that happened around that was like that time period was like literally magical. Yeah. Between, between that with, with you and then we, we right hot off the heels on that. We were doing the Chrome Tono project and Chrome Tono. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and just everything that, that, that swirled around those and the people that we like, it was the same people in kind of the, that community. So like when I, t- we talk about like the community around our show, it's, it's the same folks that are like, we're all one big happy family and it's just yeah. awesome. I, I know I've met more creative, talented people in the last year, thanks to this thing that we do than yeah, yeah. honestly ever in my life up until then. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I've been in the Legion for eight years and yet I have to say that the people that I've met just since then, and so many of them aren't even in the Legion um, and have no interest in being in it. And that's fine. Yeah, um, yeah. But just amazing, amazing people. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's something, you know, getting into, and, and we're going to get into your story because I know that I, I've been this podcast and thankfully I'm feeling like we're able to, I'm, I'm getting it back in and, um, you know, we get busy, we get busy with life. We get busy with, you know, this has been like the busiest freelance, uh, kickoff the couple months I've had. And it really like, it struggles for us, you know, because like, you know, you, you're sitting there going, well, you know, this is fun for me still. And then mm-hmm. making money is the stuff that keeps literally me buying new stuff for my podcast. So it's like, you know, you're like in this, like the constant duel of being like, you know, what, what comes first, the, you know, the, the money hen or the uh, golden eggs. I don't know. Um, but, but, for us to be able to connect and I want to, I want to talk so much about just getting to know more of, of your story because it's incredible. And, and I think just hearing the excitement and seeing the progress. And I love that we have this like inside joke on thank the maker that like, let's see how fast Ramey can make that. Um, (laughs) I got to learn, I got to know all about this. So I would say certainly like tell, let's, let's go back to the beginning, man. I, I know, um, I, I know a little bit of your story, but for our listeners, like I know that I want to, I want to talk more about it. So like, give me the story of like how star Wars set the hook for you. Like, you know, how old are you? You, have you, are you always, have you always been in California? Like what is your, what was your background? And how did Star Wars shape you to kind of where the point you are now? Okay, so uh, I was born in 1975. So I was two when the first movie came out. So not okay. really old enough to have to have seen it in the theaters. In fact, I don't even I don't remember seeing Empire Strikes Back in the theaters. I would have been five, but uh, I do remember Return of the Jedi. So yeah, my yeah. I've got two older brothers, and my oldest brother took me to see Return of the Jedi. So that I'm pretty sure was the first Star Wars film I saw. Sure. On screen, but but of course, for like you know, what I was eight at the time, like that blew my mind. Um, yeah. And so and and then so then I, I got to go back and watch watch the other ones, and, and it, so it's always been like for anybody that's kind of in the neighborhood of our age, like that's just been part of pop culture and and society for us, you know. Right. Um, grew up here in Southern California uh, my my whole life. Uh, we moved to Washington D.C. for like 
nine months to try it and uh, ended up turning around and coming back to California. So sure. uh, it's, it, it's hard to get out of, hard to get out of here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, always growing up, I always like my dream was to be an astronaut. Right. And like, and my parents actually like fostered that, like the, 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 uh, in Huntsville, Alabama at, uh, at the, uh, Redstone Arsenal rocket center there, they've got, yeah, like space camp. There's yeah, like yeah, a movie yeah. called that, but like there's actually a place called space camp. So right. my parents sent me there twice when I was a little kid. Um, so they really encouraged me to kind of pursue that grow, you know, got older, started to figure out, okay, like what does actually being an astronaut mean? And, and kind of the odds are astronomically slim to actually get into the astronaut program. Pun intended. Um, yeah, absolutely. Came, yeah. Came, came within a hair's breadth of going into the air force Academy um, okay. to pursue that at the last minute kind of changed my mind and went into aerospace engineering instead. Got it. So that's, that's where the CAD and the modeling and the engineering stuff kind of comes from. So, okay. and it's funny cause I never worked in that industry for a day in my life. Um, when you, when you do aerospace engineering, you have to pick a specialty. And so my, you know, you could do propulsion or aerodynamics. I did sure. controls. So at that time, everything was changing over to fly by wire and it was all computer controlled. So it made sense to kind of do a, a minor in computer science. And so that is actually, my career has been in computer programming and computer science kind of stuff. Amazing. So. Okay. But the engineering has always been there. So Okay, so this so it really wasn't that's where like the, that's where all the cat that's that's how I scratched that itch because it's always been there and but I I still that's all I'll sit here you know you you popping off on thank the maker and be like oh I bet Ramey could model that <laughs> I mean that actually gives one like yes I've got something to do now because so, <laughs> I can sit in meeting I can sit don't tell anybody at work this right but I can sit in meetings and like be listening and paying attention and yet have you know, fusion up on my screen and, you know, be cranking out a model. It's sure. Time, sure. So. Well, it's like between you and Sean Fields, I would say are probably like two of the people that I just like, I cannot believe oh, how well. unbelievably fast you guys are able to, to create the that's, thing that that's Sean's legend. Yeah. Sean's legendary company to be in. So that's flattering. <laughs> He's next level. Uh, yeah. But I say it in term of endearment and, and I want to get Sean on the show when, when, you know, probably in the next couple, in the next couple shows here. But, um, you know, cause really what I think it comes down to is, is just that, you know, there, there is something, especially with the, the advent of the printers and all that, like, you know, all of a sudden the model makers kind of got like pushed to the front as being the VIPs because in, in a world where we have kind of like almost demanded, I mean, I'm blown away at how quickly we're seeing, you know, episode three comes out on Wednesday and we got four files from the show that are available for people to download already, you know? And I'm like, we're not even a week we're not even a week in. Like we got name badges. We got, uh, you know, what do you got back there? I've got the I've got the kid sized found the foundling Mando helmet right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is what I'm talking about. I'm like, oh Already man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like it just really goes to show you like how important that became in this hobby versus, um, you know, you the the traditional ways of of doing it. And and I feel like you and I were certainly in, uh, you know, there was at this point. You and I have been in the Legion for about the same amount of time, me a couple years after you. Um, but, you know, there was generally, I mean, you know, we're seeing still a little bit of hesitancy in full 3D printed armor, right? And then at the same time, in since we've been in the Legion, 
you got people who are just straight up being like, that's the only way I prefer to make armor, which is just crazy to me at that point because it's only been a little bit over five years, but that's where technology goes. So it's it's incredible to kind of think about the process of what exactly plays into modeling and how people are, you know, I mean, we would have never thought that we'd have this level of like resin printing uh, available for us as consumers that we have in this, in, in the amount of time that we have, right? I, yeah, I mean, like my my first three D printer was this little Prusa thing. It came in a flat packed in a box. Like I had, it took me four days to put it together. It was a kit, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it was tiny. Like I don't even think the build plate was the size of a sheet of paper. And then you know, then I got bigger printers that came much more close to being fully assembled. And now, now I got I, I look over here and I'm looking at this thing. It's the size of a doggone dishwasher. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a resin printer, and I can practically print a helmet in one piece on this thing. Yeah, it's just crazy, and 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 the same model that can be printed on any of those, all of those printers. Like it's you download it from, either buy a file or or you download it from Thingiverse or whatever, and throw it in, hit print, and it's it's crazy. So. It's it's quote unquote that easy. Well, so Ramy, tell me a little bit. So you're you're growing up. You've got this. You you get into computer science. You work in career. Have you, um, you know, was was when did you get into you know, you've obviously got enough of like the the being imprinted on, as I call it, with Star Wars <laughs> and all that. Are you like a full blown nerd, or is like Star Wars kind of your vice? And you know, are you are you do you play around in the other? I know the bad the dad badge guys are like, you know, heavy in Marvel, all that other stuff. I know John's in all kinds of stuff. Like I am like the worst kind of nerd. I'm almost like a purist. I, I don't I don't mess with anything else. I watch it, but I don't mess with anything else. Um, but what is it? What is like Star Wars for you? Where does that fit in your your nerdosphere? I mean, Star Wars was the start of it. That was the first, my first costume was Return of the Jedi Boba Fett, which was like, if I, if I knew, if I knew then what I knew now, I don't know that I would have necessarily started with that because Forged in the fire though. I love it. Such a, such an overachiever move. And I didn't even have any idea at the time, but it it took me several years to kind of cobble it. But like, I got all the original, you know, photography tools, like all the little tools in the pockets on my shins are the actual found part and like the dental files in the back of the helmet and you know it all you trust me you're you're going through it too so you know all what what i'm talking about it's yeah i feel your pain 100 percent. like like i i joke like i you know anybody that would look at my ebay history must think that i'm like you know the unabomber or something just because of the crazy (laughs) stuff right that anyone in this hobby buys Mm -hmm. so I uh, started with with that and then kind of worked my way. I think my second costume was maybe Kylo Ren because that was okay. I got in in 20, 2015 and that was when uh, Force Awakens came out. And so was one of the first Kylo Rens approved in the Legion. Um, there were a few people ahead of me, but uh, kind of just started working my way through. And, and you know, would t- for me the it's the process of making the costume. Like yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. look, there's, there is nothing more gratifying than like high five and a bunch of kids or going to a children's hospital. And, and the, the things that we do with the costume, like that's an amazing experience. Yeah. Yeah. But like the, the, the part of my brain that needs that itch to get scratched, like I, I it's making the costume. Like people say, Oh, you, do you collect costumes? And then no, I don't collect costumes. I collect the skills to make the costumes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Is there was, so when you're in this, like when you're growing up, when did costuming, like what, what I always want to ask people when they come on is like, when did, when did you start to validate this idea that like, wait, 
like there's people that do this. There are people who do costuming. Like I'm, I'm not a, you know, and I, and I hear like every time I interview a guest, some people like their mom was really into it. We did really crazy Halloween stuff. Like my parents were not into it. I literally ran into the Legion at a local comic con when I lived in Detroit and I was like, I'm in. I don't know how, what you guys do, but I'm in, but I know it's different for everybody else. So like, what was costuming for you as, you know, as, as an adult with adult money or was costuming always a part of, of your life? I mean, I, you know, I always had like homemade costumes as a kid growing up, um, you know, robot costume made out of cardboard boxes and stuff like that or whatever. But, uh, but I didn't get into, like, I wasn't into like going to you know, conventions and costume or anything like that until yeah. I got into the, cl- until after I got into the club. So really that for me has been a relatively recent occurrence in the grand scheme of my life. But, uh, what, what was it about that? That like, you know, was it something that I, for me seeing the force awakens trailer? And I don't know if like, maybe, you know, you and I are probably gonna, are, are going to commiserate over this yet. You know, we both have kids. You're, you're living this, you know, adult life, doing the thing that you got to do. You got to go to work. You got to do this stuff, right? And I love my job. You love your job. But I saw the Force Awakens trailer, and I remember how excited it made me to be a kid again in that just like, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, the Millennium Falcon. Oh, there's Han and Chewie. Oh, my, like, X-Wings. Yeah. That, to me, made me start to say, I've done all the other things. Like, I got a house. I saved the money to get a house. I saved yeah. the money to put a roof over my head. I saved money to take care of my kid, all that stuff. And then I was like, you know what? But I got to do something for myself. And I'm going to do something silly because at this point I'm getting too old. I don't care anymore. I'm going to build a freaking Star Wars costume. Was that, is this, is this a, in line with what you, you experienced? Yeah, I think it's kind of the same story, right? You know, because I you know, had, had a house and, 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 and kids and everything by then. The, the, uh, I, I had collected, you know, kind of the, the Hasbro toys, like started with the Hasbro toys. Like we, we started collecting those when in 99, when uh, the Phantom Menace was getting ready to come out and they were releasing the, the toys for that. So yeah, sure. Which was kind of like, almost like a transition off of the power of the force, but kind of still part of yeah. the line in its own way. Right. Like, like yeah, I didn't, didn't collect anything before, before that, but that's when it started. Yeah. 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 So it, it kind of like, it turned on that, like, uh, wait a minute. I m- wait a minute. Mom doesn't have to get me anything because <laughs> I can get it myself. Yeah. And I'm going to spend all the money on the stuff that my mom told me I can't get, which I love that. Um, okay, so you get into the toys, but then like, where did this go? So like, Star Wars is like back in your life now. And then where do? How do we get to the point where now you have 45 costumes, Ramy? I feel like I'm, I'm asking <laughs> well, for an intervention here, but I don't want to give it. There's a whole level of crazy that happens between yeah, 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 yeah. point beyond <laughs> what you just said, Mike. <laughs> so I, you know, I I had. I've, I've always kind of worked, had the luxury of being able to work from home. Um, not, I mean, now it's full-time working from home, but, but at the time, even, you know, it was a couple of days a week. And so I've always kind of kept a, a nice home office around me sure. and, uh, you know, kept my toys and collectibles and stuff like that in that office. And at some point it, it me building the costume actually started out less with me wanting to join the 501st and more with me wanting to have a Boba Fett costume on a mannequin in my office because yeah. I didn't. Like, I think at the time, like, Sideshow was doing, like, a life-size Boba Fett or something like that. And I'm like, I'm not spending, like, $8,000 on the thing. Although, in hindsight, I don't I don't think I could do the math at this point, but it probably 
King probably Klaus, about the same. Right? <laughs> Everyone who's built a Boba Fett After is like, this- yeah, it's pro- yeah, yeah, yeah. He's- you're, you're basically getting a free After mannequin this time, at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you're never done with that. Like you're always like, oh, I could get that belt now. And like you're always upgrading and things. So if I was to sure. do the math over all the years, who knows? Uh, so I, you know, started building the costume. Literally had the mannequin probably sitting there half naked for a long time, you sure. know, just as I was getting the pieces together and slowly sort of built the costume around that. And then um in the meantime, you know, as you're looking for online resources on how to build this costume, of course you're gonna run into the 501st Legion and the Bounty Hunters Guild and the Dented Helmet and all of those sites that I'm sure are like shortcuts on your toolbar right now. Yep. Um, and so you start to learn more about these groups in the 501st. And, and uh, you know, at that point, like you got, I'm like, well, I've got the suit. I may as well, I may as well see if it's up to snuff. Let me submit this thing. Sure. Sure. So yeah. Then, then you, it's kind of like the ultimate, like, okay, this is, this is where I, I feel like I'm, I'm finally going up uh, and, and testing my own snuff on this. Is there a, is there a point for you where, like we're you know Southern California's probably got one of the biggest most active availabilities for trooping. I mean, you guys have multiple events multiple times. Um, you know, it's it's one of the most active garrisons in the entire country. So, do you have a, a, any kind of relationship with anybody in the five hundred first yet? Like, are you meeting other people? Like, or, or did you literally you were just building this stuff to build it, and then finally said, you know what, I'm gonna just cold submit this thing. At so, I. Well, at the very tail end, like before I was approved, but literally like maybe within the last couple of months before I got approved, um, I reached out to, through some Facebook group, you know, one of the squads, Facebook groups here in Southern California and uh, reached out to the person who was the squad leader at the time, or at least that's who I ended up getting in contact with and talked to him a little bit. And there was a, an armor party that was taking place on Wednesday night in somebody's garage. And, and and, uh, he put me in touch with him. And it was funny because it's like, you know, back then, like even at that time, like when you're buying one of these kits, it's like you, you pay somebody cash and like in the parking lot, like you get a brown box with a bunch of plastic parts in it. And like, it's almost like the shady deal that's happening in an alley. Yeah. 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 uh, (laughs) And and so, you know, this guy talks to him and he's like, who is this guy? He's like, no, it's fine. He's cool. I talked to him. And so then like, I can come to this guy's house to the armor party and I get to meet the folks that were in the squad at the time. And, uh, and, and, and it was good to get to kind of meet those folks and and hang out with them. and, And, and I've, Fortunately, here in Southern California, like it, everybody's always been amazing. Like we have a great vibe in our garrison still to this day. Yeah. So everybody's always been super welcoming. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I, I got to know them a little bit, and then got approved, and I already knew somebody. So it was kind of cool because then it's like, oh right, how do I like how do I sign up for an event? Let's go. Let's. When are you going? And kind of start interacting with with the folks in the club. Okay, so let me ask you this, Ramy. Of course, you you do. Return of the Jedi, uh, Return of the Jedi Boba Fett, which is, you know, anyone who's listening knows there's probably five costumes in the 501st Legion that are the white whales, right? And Empire, Return of the Jedi, probably some form of Vader, but then we've also got these like completely wild costumes out there um, that just take a ton of work and prosthetics and all that kind of stuff to do it right. So Boba Fett, of course, is his own, you know, he is, he is his own enigma in his own way, right? That is the, Mm -hmm. the, the mountain that you have to climb if you want to say, okay, I've done the costume. Let me ache like you guys have ached. Did you get approved on the first try? I didn't. See? Um, I got, here we go. I got turned down on the first try. Um, I had to redo my belt. At, 
at the time, so that's, that's the thing. It's like, um, and I still run into folks to this day that kind of don't grasp that nuance of, of the club. Like the clubs are looking for a certain level of accuracy and, and, um, based off of references. And, and, and so the, the pouches that I had on my belt were, were one thing that I had to correct. I actually, in hindsight, I actually had Django Fett belt pouches on my okay. belt. They were not the same as well. And I just, to my naive eyes at the time, they looked like they were close enough and I didn't understand that the differences between them would, would make a difference for, yeah, as far yeah, as the yeah. approval was concerned. So that, that was a learning experience for me. And, uh, I, so there was that, what else did I have to do? I don't think I, I think I had to weather my flight suit, but that everybody Everybody has to weather their flight suit more after right. the first submission. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, I see that more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a little too, uh, you know, you're, you don't, don't go too hard with the weathering. Let them tell you got to weather it more. And then you're like, really? Okay. Yeah. Let's get yeah, grinding. It's easier to, easier to add more than it is to knock it back off. You're right. You are absolutely right about that. So then, so, okay. So you get, you, you've, you finally get approved and all this happens mm-hmm. is very exciting. But then where did, um, you know, so, so. And and for Boba Fett too, that was your first costume. Was there a connection for Boba for you, or was it just you just look? He's the, one of the coolest characters in Star Wars. Who who doesn't think that Boba Fett's just the smoothest smoothest guy in the universe, right? Like I, he's just he's just cool. Like I I joke his Boba Fett's best line of dialogue isn't even any words. It's just him tilting his head, like nodding yeah, his head. Right? Yeah, you know? you're absolutely right. About so that. there's just so much mystery and he's just sort of the man. I love that. Is there, um, so from there, then you go in, you get into Kylo Ren. So now we've gone from OT to newest of new school. Like this mm-hmm. is, you did a force awakens Kylo Ren, I'm assuming. Yes. It okay. was the only, only film we'd had so far. Oh, so. true. Yeah, true, true, true. Now that I'm, I'm looking at it, it's. And to this, uh, to this day, that's still the only Kylo that I've got. And I'm on my like third set of robes for that though. Cause I keep getting better fabric. Yeah, but. sure. Sure. Monk even further monk's cloth or whatever the the weave is. Yeah, right? my first my first one was the monk's cloth cuz that was okay. it and then they've got the they've got and they've got like kind of more mass produced. You can go to like a Joann's and buy Kylo Ren fabric now and it's oh pretty gosh. darn accurate. So Oh my gosh. Um I actually think that's my current robes that's what they are. So. Okay. So so from there now you now you're in now well let me ask you this. You you put on boba, you're you're someone who, you know, you're building these costumes to be able to wear them now. You're, did you have experience wearing costumes before? Or was this like just, you know, basically wanted to be like, well, I, I was going to make one for the mannequin and I'd rather just see if I can wear it now. And then you become Boba Fett, which is like, you know, especially Return of the Jedi, um, just in, just an iconic badass that every gif in regards to, you know, you said the tilting of the head and, you know, we finally get to see Boba in action in that movie. So... What was that like for you to become a character rather than just a mannequin in the corner of a room? You know, I, I, I'm sure the first couple of times I wore the suit out, I probably just looked like a dork in a suit, just sure. not, not knowing how to carry myself. Yeah. But then you start to um, you start to watch other people that have similar costumes and see kind of little cool things that they do. Um, and you're like, oh, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to add that to my little repertoire. And, yeah. and, then, and then, of course, we've all got that moment, like especially with a boba or, or a character that's got that kind of physicality. Um, you, of course you watch the film and you've like, you, you kind of, you're standing there. There's, there's that moment where you're standing there and somebody, you know, one of the kids like walks into the room and sees you like kind of acting out what's on the screen and you just look at him and you're like, what? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Cause they, right. they're like, what is dad doing now? Um, yeah. but you're kind of like practicing like, Oh, how he holds his hand on the, 
right. on the gun a certain way and like, yeah. oh, it's okay, it's this hand over that one. And like, there's just these little nuances that if you get them right, it, it, it falls into like, if you know, you know, there, yeah. you might sit there and 99% of the people just think that you're a, a guy in a costume, but there's that one person who loves Boba Fett and they see you nod your head a certain way or holding the gun a certain way. And they're like, yes. And then you, that's you're like, Boba. That's why I did it today. <laughs> right, right. That's what kind of like what Chris Bartlett was saying in his episode. You know, he was like, I, you know, when he looks over at the convention, he just saw like a kid who was kind of dressed up, and you know, he wasn't, he wasn't walking around and dancing and do all the stuff, which is fine. You know, I know we have plenty of of troopers who like to inter, interact with the kids and stuff like that, but like, there is something about just a boba that just looks like he's on the job, you know, and he's like working security for the joint. You know, yeah. there's something yeah. about his ethos that that kind of demands that. So it's really funny you just to just stand there with your hand on the gun and just kind of look, look into the side and yeah. look to the other side. And it's, yeah. Yeah. It's all I you got to do. And, and you're, you are Boba Fett in that moment, especially for someone who knows. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, you know, how much Ramey for you, what, what about a costume? You got 45 of them, Ramey. So I can, I, I assume that it's, we're not, we're not too crazy here. Like your, your gate, your gate isn't too high for people to be able to jump over to be like, you know, I'd make that. What what is it about a costume that you see that you're like I want to make that like what what there's got to be some kind of characteristic that makes you you know I originally me I think back to Rogue One right now I'm five eight on a good day um you know we're 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 both dad batchers here talking about you know that stuff and uh, you know I'm always I'm always like yeah I could probably lose a couple you know cool off the beers maybe drop a couple pounds. Uh, but I just knew I'm like, you know what? The death troopers are like six, five and they're, they're real skinny. I'm not going to be a death trooper. It's not, I can't, I can't pull it up. I could props to death troopers out there who are not that, but, uh, uh, it's not for me. Right. But like I, I saw yeah. the shore trooper and I'm like, dude, I love that. And there's, it's crazy because like then my buddy next to me bought the costume, like, you know, as soon as it became available after rogue one was in the theater, because he's like, I just, that character spoke to me. You got 45 costumes, Ramy. Are they all speaking to you? Like what's what who are you talking to that you're like, I gotta build all these costumes? Like what what does a character do for you that makes you want to go, I'm in? I mean, so I a lot of what I do, I will start with a helmet. Sure. I'll make I'll make the helmet first. And then I kind of sit there and sort of live with the helmet for a little while and see if it talks to me. Yeah. So I built I built a short trooper helmet um before I built the rest of the suit. And I actually like I've got a box of all the parts. That from Kevin Weir and I, yeah. I actually haven't built the suit yet, but I but I'm it's on the list. Sure. So that maybe that'll be 46. Who knows? Yeah, there we um, go. Yeah. So I I start with the helmets and and for a while there it kind of started as me collecting the helmets and kind of with a sort of a picture in my head. It's like okay, well you've got to have you know if I if I you know, if you look behind me like there's the red royal guard over here and yeah. but I, and I'm like well then I got to have the blue one too because that one's yeah, got sure. the, kind of the Trojan Mohawk yeah, thing. And yeah, I've got yeah. the version, I've actually, that, that Mohawk comes off and I can put the Republic or the Senate one on that's got like the hair that sticks yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The Praetorian Senatorial like uh, escort, right? Yeah, it's got like the double <laughs> yeah. hair Mohawk and it's like yeah. used real horse hair to make that. Incredible. Whatever, the, the plume on the top. Yeah. Um, well, watch so, your career with great interest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've seen Star Wars. That's right, baby. And so you you start to get these like so. Then at one point, I made um, I, you know, you, you're in the five hundred first long enough. You kind of got to make a TK. So I've got a TK. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually don't troop the TK often because there's so many of them, and I've got costumes that are 
that no one else has. And so I try and bring those ones out more often, but, um, but the TKs are fun, man. You got, if you've got the voice changer in there and you you've got your TK kind of cut, cut, right. So you can move around and stuff. You can yeah. really have a good time with, with a crowd. So they, nobody, everybody loves a T, you know, T, and you get a couple of TKs and they got the voice changers and everything. And they just, they, they can work the crowd like nothing else. Yeah. And that part of it, I think for the stormtroopers. So it's funny that like, you know, so, so for people who have listened enough to the podcast know, like I am on uh, one of the North shores of the Great Lakes. I am in the Great Lakes region. We are in a tiny little town of 20,000 people. And, uh, you know, it's still very cool when we go out in costume. Like we went out for Halloween. We were dressed as like, we had four snow troopers this year and people thought that was the coolest thing they've ever seen. Nice. Because you've got that, like, almost like, you know, the group, the militaristic, you know, you see a bunch of soldiers walking through and there's just something about, you know, this uniformity of what makes the 501st the 501st. And we've got a couple guys building some TKs right now. And like, for me, the TK, as vanilla as it is of a costume, is Star Wars like Vader in Star and Vader and Stormtroopers to me are probably some of the most iconic silhouettes in science fiction, right? And yep. so there is that you know it it is if that becomes your friend. I, I had a Sand Trooper was my second one, um, and I just because I I wanted to build uh, a trooper from every original trilogy movie, uh, and so Sand Trooper, Snow Trooper, Scout Trooper. There we go, I got them all. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you, you kind of have to at that point, one hundred percent, right? But then like I got to the point where I'm like, man, my pack I had an older style I had an older style pack and I'm like man it's kind of frying my back and it just got to a point where you know I was like you know I think I might I might end up ditching this so ended up selling it to a friend uh, to get him back into trooping and I'm so glad that I did because I'm, I'm he's like he's back he's loving it um, but really what I see in in regards to you know looking at that is like yeah that TK is such a great jumping off point for people because you could get six of them together and there is nothing cooler than group of stormtroopers right because that is star wars for us you know that is like that that is what we remember in a new hope who's the first group that comes kicking through the door on the tantive it's like a bunch of stormtroopers right so i love that i think that's that's great and then in in kind of getting back to for for you you start with the helmet see if the helmet speaks to you which of those costumes among those 45, like which ones give you hell? I want to know that. I mean, I'm sure all of them have a, a, a certain degree of difficulty, but like you've got enough to be able to have some more stories, I imagine. Yeah. I mean, I, I taught myself how to sew on Kylo Ren. Okay. Um, and so I like I, multiple attempts on the road before I even got one that was successful. Um, I, for the longest time, I kept having this tendency to just make the doggone thing too small. Like I thought I had it all figured out and I'd try and put it on. I'm like, this, I can't even fit in this thing. So the, um, like you're saying like seam allowance or like just the understanding yeah, of like how the fabric. Yeah. And, Cause yeah, I don't, yeah. I have, I have zero actual training on anything like that. I just, and, and so I had to fumble my way through it and figure it out. And, yeah, sure. Um, sure. And then, and then like, oh, it's like, okay, I've got to put a zipper in this thing. And how do I do that? And, and, uh, and, and so, so that one was quite the learning experience for me. I, I had some good folks that had sewing experience that were kind of around me in, in the garrison at the time. Okay. And they were able to talk me through a lot of that and help me. So, so that was good. What else? I mean, some of them, like some of them are weird ones. Like I, I have a, uh, I have a, a one of the few uh, animated rebels TK kits. Okay. So it's complete. It's, it, it's assembled like a clone, but it, it's a TK and it looks, it's very stylized and it's the animated look. So it kind of almost like a Macquarie TK, which I actually have one of those as well. I see it um, back there too. But that, so, 
Uh, yeah, the helmet's behind me, and that I've got the whole suit for that. Incredible. So, um, that Rebels kit, I, I don't know what it was about that, but the paint gave me nothing but trouble. And so, like, okay. I fought and fought with this paint. Every time I would spray this this gloss paint on that that thing, it would crackle. Huh. And I'd, I'd like. And I'd have to sand it back down and I'd spray it on again and the paint would crackle. And then it was just like, I was, I was spraying something on top of something else and the two things weren't compatible. And so I had to start learning a little bit about like the chemical composition of the paints and like, Oh, you can't, you can't really spray gloss onto gloss because it's not going to adhere right. And you're going to get this weird effect and and so on. And so, and it, and understanding the paint at different times of the year and the different behaviors that you get in spring versus summer versus winter and and like so i learned Humidity, i probably learned on that one more surface about painting prep, yeah all that, yeah yeah and then I, I, you know and then spending any amount of time with with john rodriguez is a master class on painting now so i've i've got basically got the bat phone to to him now but i didn't have that at the time and so i was sure. trying to like i was learning by trying something and then seeing it horribly fail and having to figure out why and you know google search like why would this paint crackle and trying to look figure out what had happened Right. So, and, and that, that's a really interesting point too, because, you know, so at, at this point, are you, you're, you're, you're now starting to amass this armory of, of costumes and you've got everything. And I hope that people will check out your 501st profile. Cause it's just, it is a, it is a wrecking ball of motivation to go, how does this guy do this? And I love it. I'm looking at, we've got Darcidious. We've got a variety of officers. We've got a sand trooper, Imperial Army engineer. We got, of course, a snow trooper. In Southern California, Ramy, respect, man. That is not a cold costume. <laughs> We've actually got a decent number of snow troopers here in Southern California. So I and love it was funny that. because because it we recently like there was a group of them and they were trying to do a photo. They wanted the they're like, oh, there's snow coming and let's let's go do a photo shoot. And I live up in the mountains where the snow actually was coming and and I so I'm just kind of sitting back and watching everybody that's down in LA trying to organize this photo shoot. Sure, sure. Gonna, and lo and behold, it snowed so much that they couldn't get out of LA to anywhere where there was <laughs> snow to do the, the photo shoot. I walked out in my backyard. <laughs> I walked out oh in my, my backyard God. and took pictures. That's amazing. Are you up by Big Bear? Is that where you are? No, we're actually in uh, Tehachapi, which is in the mountains up above Bakersfield. Okay, all right, but so, enough to get snow. Like California's got crushed with snow this year, so yes, yes, yeah. It was it was wild. We were like, I couldn't leave my house for several days. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you have a uh, you know is that is that an opportunity? Like, do you see this is this is kind of my issue with where I live, right? Is that the where we live decides what costume we can wear to not make it weird, right? So, for the month of October on until probably about May, we are snow troopers, and then after that, you can be a scout trooper. You can do anything you want from there. Um, we even have sand. We can do sand troopers up. But like for mm-hmm. seven months out of the year, we are snow troopers uh, because you know snow anywhere else it doesn't it doesn't pull that off. So I love seeing. Odd, these odd costumes that you've got too. And I only say odd as a term of endearment, Ramy, because the Bith musician, the cantina <laughs> band, the swinging jizz of George Lucas's, you know, he was like, let's think of the seediest, darkest place where people are getting murdered daily. What kind of music should we have? Well, let's put a little, damn, put a little upscale swing in there. There we go. So that was a group build that we did with several of us at the time. And I, we, 
I probably could go through that list with you, Mike, and pick out like a dozen or more costumes that started out as a dare. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the Biff band was absolutely one of them. So Steven, Stevie Kicks, he yeah, was Stevie, one of them. I remember the so, story. So yeah, yeah. One, I've got yep. one. And, and so we, we built these two, uh, like there was a couple of events, mainly like we had a big presence at the uh, Relay for Life, the Cancer Walk. Here. Yeah. We, every year we, we try and do one and we've got a kind of a team that we have, we call it the hardcore 24 and we'll actually, we'll go out there in costume, start out. Um, we've got a 501st Legion flag that we carry on and we've got like a little clicker on there yeah. that you can count. And that flag stays on the track for tw- the full 24 hours. It never stops. Oh There's gosh. always someone from our team rotating in and we keep it going all night. But I'll tell you what, those in at four in the morning when you're basically just like kind of high on caffeine and yeah and, and what like those are some of the funnest moments like the one year one of the neighboring uh teams had had a star wars and they had made like tie fighters out of cardboard yeah yeah my buddy and i we go like four in the morning we ran over there and grabbed those tie fighters and put them on like you could put them over your body like, <laughs> yeah and, like, sure sure run around with them right we went on this. We went. We were all around the track a few times we went on the, there was like a <laughs> playground we went down the slide and of course there's Video footage somewhere that's going to be used to blackmail me eventually, but yeah, yeah, yeah. like just so much, so much fun. So we built the Cantina Band to do because they wanted like some kind of Star Wars thing for on the stage, and so somewhere along the lines we found like this just dubstep techno version of the Cantina song and sort of okay. spliced it together. So like the first, the first few bars are the normal Cantina song, and then like the record scratches and it just yeah, goes yeah. into this. Electronic, bow, bow, electronic bow, bow, version. Bow, bow, bow. Like <laughs> at the at the end of it, like Stephen like smashes his instrument on the ground and like you know just like a a rock band would do and and, sure. and like it and it's just it's fun it's fun yeah. we're sweating bullets inside those costumes are absolutely miserable to wear but it's so yeah. much fun yeah I can imagine so you've got these you've got these just great costumes in regards of you know I'm looking at so many of them that are what I would probably consider at this point. Uh, you know, iconic. You've got your, you know, Thai pilot. You are, uh, you know, we've got the uh, the ATST driver, right? So, are most of these costumes at this point, of course, someone who's as technically proficient as you to be able to use whatever tool you need to do it right? Are most of the costumes that you have in regards to ties and you know, you've got your anything with chest armor? Is is most of that? vacuum form the traditional way of doing it or like what of your costumes did you utilize your skill set as a printer and finisher and all that like what do you think the breakdown is is it half i'd uh, uh i'd have to go through and look probably most are still vacuum formed like the clone okay. vacuum form especially if you were to look at the, the chronology of it there's yeah. probably a point in time there where it started to become practical to print the armor right i th- i, w- I want to say my uh Gosh, my it might be my first fully printed one. Might be the iCat driver, which is actually relatively new. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like, okay, well, if that's the case, then I, Din would have been before that. I, I had Din first, so even even that. So Din might be my first fully printed kit. Okay, so for people who are wondering if they need a refresher, the iCat iCat is the uh, they drove what was called the Juggernauts, and uh, they were the Mud Trooper style bodies with the parka and then they've got the tank trooper helmet from rogue one and when you know people yeah. refer to it as i think the episode is officially called the believer but that was with uh bill burr you know as people called mm-hmm. the bill burr episode uh and that's when din 
brown eyes and uh, they go in there and they take their helmets off. And so if you're thinking about that, like that goes to show you that, you know, these parts, especially in that, uh, that was the first time that we had seen shore troopers in action since Rogue One, right? And so then we also have that helmet that I think actually, uh, if I'm correct, was from Frank Ippolito over at Thingergy. I think they said that they had worked on those. So that's pretty cool to see that. But at this point now, it's like you guys are making these costumes way faster than people are able to replicate them. So tell me a little bit about the benefit of speed in regards to excitement. Because I'm sure in many cases, Ramey, you're faster than the 501st in putting out the CRL. Justin Soundfield talks about this all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, for the 45 costumes that I've got approved, I've got a decent list of costumes that aren't approved yet. Some of yeah, them, I, yeah. some of them are in various process stages of the process, and some of them I just haven't even tried yet. Um, sure. So, if you think about it, if if we rewind to back before three D printing was a thing, to, and to where like you had a printer in your house and you could do it yourself, right. think about kind of the supply chain of getting armor. So somebody's got to sculpt, somebody's got to see the reference, sculpt the buck, vacuum form it, distribute the pieces out. Like the distributions different now like i yeah. can email you what you need to make it yourself in your own house right so it takes it compresses the timeline down it, it takes several steps out and instead of you having to have a bunch of artifacts that exist between the original reference and you having a final part yeah it's all just digital and you hit print and it a couple days later you've got this piece of armor and then you you know do it again for the next piece and after a few weeks of doing this you've got the whole kit there and it's and it's sharp and it's accurate and kind of makes it so that it in in a lot of ways it and it's true it's like do you think at some point like the three D printing the resin printing you think it's ever going to fully replace ABS classic buck pulled vacuum form pieces I don't know I mean for like a TK I can't imagine like, so look there's always going to be and that's the that's the trick in this club right there's always going to be a certain level of desire for authenticity. Right. Those original kits were vacuum formed. And so right. people are going to want to do that to replicate that aspect of it. Yes, I could probably make a convincingly accurate TK out of 3D printing. I mean, I know people that could make a convincingly accurate TK out of foam if they put their mind to it. Right. Um, you know, and, and good luck to the GML that may never even realize it. I, the, the, the material is one thing, um, but some of the some of the aspect of wanting to build one of these costumes for some people might be wanting to actually reproduce the materials that were involved as well. So right. like I said, a TK, you know, I don't know that we'd ever see anything replace vacuum forming for a TK. Yeah. yeah. Kind of the same thing for sort of a tie pilot. So right. those, those original, especially the original trilogy stuff, but you know, some of the sequel trilogy stuff could be easily be 3d printed. The, Plenty of stuff that's just so weird, and and no one's ever going to make molds for some of the weird, obscure costumes where there's not enough money in it to sell enough of them to, to make it worth the volume. So for for that, if you want some weird one-off costume that that there's not going to be a lot of, three uh, D printing is maybe the only way you'll ever get it. That or scratch building it out of some other material. Right, and that's and that's what's kind of I think has really been interesting is, you know, first order TKs come out and. People are looking at these details. 
And we're going, whoa, man, this is, these are not vacuum-formed armor anymore. And I think we really started to notice it. They weren't. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, 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 of course. Right, right. The, the screen view stuff now is all injection molded. And, and, and good luck for any of us in the hobby actually having ac access to that kind of machinery to, to do that. So that's still a ways off. So the closest we could do is to print it. You know? Right. And that, that's what I think really became interesting to me when I looked at that. I started thinking about the hobby, and I'm going, okay, now I'm sitting here going, first order TK comes out. Whoa! This is some this is some next level engineering. Now it all makes sense in the universe, right? It would make sense that last time we saw a realistic, quote unquote, trooper, right, was in. I mean, truly, it was 1983. They never made actual uh, clones. They were all CGI. Yeah, yeah. Until the Disney Plus shows that we've had in the last year, there was no such thing as a real action live action clone. Right. The, the Legion did it before Lucasfilm did. <laughs> right, right. Shout out to Kevin Weir. Uh, yeah. And and there was there was a, just a tremendous uh, movement for people to want to bring these costumes to life and however they were able to do it. But then when Force Awakens came out, we saw that these costumes were engineered. And then to find out that certain parts of them were flexible. And then all of a sudden we're like, whoa, 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 like heavy urethane. And, and that wasn't crazy for the stunt world. That wasn't crazy for the movie effects. But the fact that they tried to make them look like they were hard plastic and then go back in Rogue One and go, well, we still need to have the original TK, but like, obviously we can't have split rivets on the side. We're shooting this thing in 8K. Like it's yeah. going to look like trash, right? And yeah. the amount of people that see the, you know, the duct tape on the back of the Sand Trooper, now that we've even got it in 4K, um, the costumes just got worse. Everything got worse. You want to build it more accurate? You got to make it look worse. Um, and that's that's what I think is really interesting. But then I'm shocked even that I, I don't know if John Stark listens to this this podcast, but John Stark is now offering an entire Beskar kit in urethane, the same style that Latif Crowder de Santos wears on the set. Hilariously, when Brendan Wayne came on, who is plays the most of the time the Mandalorian you see on screen is Brendan Wayne. He's yep. like, Oh, my, my armor's all 3D printed. They got a bunch of them, but they 3D print them. So yeah. there you go. Like one of yeah. the biggest productions in Star Wars, they're 3D printing the stuff the same way that you guys are doing it. And and for us to go, you know, this like this injection molding impossible, we're never going to be able to see it. Now, you can totally see why. In that regard, din is almost a little bit easier to be able to do, right? You got the the shoulder, the the leg grieve. You got a couple of these pieces that go, okay, cool. You're gonna pull it in urethane. You're gonna pull it in rubber. Okay, chest piece that makes sense. That's fine. But then you realize like what a bear the TK would be to do it. But then at the same time, every time I've talked to someone on here and we go, nah, no one will be able to do it. Someone freaking does it, and I'm like, this this community is inc is is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, for all the things that we say, oh my gosh, like five five years ago, look at look at what we can do now. It, right. We're saying it now, and like, of course, five years from now, just think of what we'll be able to do. Yeah, yeah, and that's I can't that's, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I know it's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. Well, Ramy, the other thing I want to talk to you about, you know, you've you've got this incredible jack of all trades toolbox and and a skill set. What do you think has been the thing for someone who's looking to, I think it's a natural progression of things that, you know, people don't want to put themselves into a box, right? And John, Alphagnition, 
John Rodriguez. He's changed his name. It, we're, he's going to listen to this and get a kick out of that. Um, but for him, it's like, you know, he was doing some professional painting at a, at a shop, a prop shop in town. And I talked to him a lot through that. And he was like, I really want to get better at painting and really wanted to like kind of narrow himself into really figuring out paint. Um, and I think that's really, it's rad because like his, his journey, and I'm going to get him on for uh, a new episode because I've got to bring some people back. They've done some things. Um, but you know, it's like, what, what do you think has been your skill set that you've kind of clung to has been like, this has probably been the most useful, the most useful skill set of, of all the things that I can do. I mean, it, it'd be easy for me to say like the 3d modeling because I can, yeah create something from nothing that way and then give it out to people and they've I can I can solve problems for people but but honestly like that is actually what I like doing the most it doesn't even matter whether it's printing or or just giving sure. them advice or or so like I like I just like helping people so you know most of the conversations I have in the course of any given day are like like all right how did you do this and like where can I go to find that and and that's ultimately that's kind of the most gratifying part of it sure so. sure okay so I think for people too there is that part of saying you know, what, what is it that I could get into? And I like tell my students all the time, graphic designers, right? And there's times where I'm like, I feel like I want to learn about modeling because I understand how like design works. That's literally my job. But, um, you know, to be able to understand the 3d world and bring that stuff to life, I actually think about getting into modeling so that I can actually make my designs better and use them in a print way too. Um, but yeah. there's just so much about like the skill sets of being able to understand how all of these things work from paint to modeling, to construction, to glues and all that stuff. Yeah. So one of the things that I've, I've had on in my head and I'm, I'm going to do this, I just kind of need to get, I've been trying to get celebration behind me, which sure, I'm not sure. trying to rush through it. But uh, once I get back and, and can kind of take a breath and, uh, I, I want to do sort of a star Wars costume prop making centric set of tutorials on 3d modeling in fusion oh. there's a free free version of fusion yeah, we'll yeah pick something we'll pick some kind of prop and it'll probably be like you know half a dozen or so you know little shorts on how to go through the process and like learn learn your way through fusion and be able to make that and then spit it out and print it so so that's that's a plan that i've got Okay, so fusion. So we've got a couple of things that people have have kicked around. We've got, and and hopefully you can explain it to people who are like kind of dabbling. You've got the the most popular ones would be, of course, like fusion, blender. Then we've also got is there ZBrush. like ZBrush? ZBrush. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So tell me the difference between the three of those if you know them, Ramy. I do. Um, okay. And here we go. So so here we go, and I and I will describe it to you with um, by giving you two names. One, one of them's me. I use fusion. It's very mechanical. It's like literally think of it in terms of blueprints and, um, building a mechanical part and, and, and being able to spit out blueprints. And, and, and honestly, it's designed to be able to plug into a machine that will sit there and carve this piece out of a block of aluminum or something. If, if you've got one of those, so that's right. fusion will do all of that. So very mechanically oriented. If I was to sit down and try and sculpt an alien head in fusion, I would go mad trying to, <laughs> sure. it can't do it. It's not yeah. designed. It's for not that. organic it's not based organic. in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sean, Sean Fields, however, will pull up ZBrush and he'll just start with a blob and he'll start pulling little pulling pixels out and like pushing and pulling and and it's it's more sculpting online as opposed to um 
like he'll, he'll almost start with a block and like shave it down, sort of subtract things from it to sculpt it out like a, an actual sculptor would do. Whereas yeah. I'll start from nothing and do what's called additive CAD and I will add things to it until it's what I want. Got it. So the different tools, so ZBrush, Blender's better at, Blender almost kind of sits in the, in the middle and Blender can be used to do some animation and stuff too. But, but uh, ZBrush is really good for organic-y stuff. And so that's Sean Field's jam. Fusion is is what I'll sit in most of the time. Droids are great in Fusion. I, I can download parts from McMaster Car's website into Fusion and actually model around them. And like I know that when I go and order that part, it's going to fit into the model exactly as it did on screen. So right, there's just that right. kind of mechanical angle to all of it. Yeah. So like for every in every application, it's going to be its own different thing, right? And so it's like in a way you got to think is you know, if you're making a latex mask, you start with the form, you start with a, a head sculpt maybe or whatever, just a blank, you know, and you're, and you're built, you're putting the clay on and then you're kind of like rubbing the mm-hmm. clay, you know, you're, you're breaking the clay off and, and, you know, or adding, adding to it. Pushing and pulling and moving things to one side or the other. Yeah. That's, that's right. ZBrush. Okay. Got it. Awesome. That's good. I mean, like I, I, I knew the difference between them, but I guess it, I, I wasn't sure if it was just, you know, like a preferential thing. You know, I didn't know if that was the way to, to do that. So yeah. uh, see, I like that. I like but it's that. funny. I've, I've always got, I've fusions open on the side of my screen right now. A Sonfield hit me up last night. He's like, Hey, this thing on Naomi's Kira costume doesn't work anymore. I, can you make me another one? And so he sent me some measurements and I cranked this thing out and he's going to hit print and have this piece that he needs. So it's incredible. That's, I mean, yeah, this is what I'm talking, man, this is awesome. The other thing I want to get into, Ramey, I want to talk about this. Um, we got to talk about the dad batch. Now, if you are listening to armor party, you have followed along with Honda supply, my other side hustles. Um, you know that I've, I've shared a lot of love with these guys, the dad batch podcast and the dad batch for me is, and you're, like I said, you're the last one to be on the show, which is great. Ramey. I gotcha. I love that. Um, but that show, that's right. Yes. Yes. And I have leveled some of you up. Uh, but the, the, the point of that show, I think really just for me celebrates and the, the reason that I think that people should go forward with whatever wacky idea they think that they have like find other people who share your passion and do fun stuff together right and the dad batch just hearing you guys when you guys drop episodes it feels like i'm in the room with you and it feels awesome and i love that especially because i know all you guys so well but there's a part of um what i love about the dad batch is that we do as fathers have a duty to carry on either our wisdom or our passion or whatever we can do to tell our kids the world is going to interpret you however it wants to interpret you and you got to be a part of it. So to see you guys all embrace the bad batch as this, this, you know, a continuation of a show that was quote unquote geared towards children, right? Animated shows traditionally, the scary stuff is for the screen, animated stuff for kids, which we know isn't true at all. But I just love the fact that we've got older people above high school to college age guys that are embracing these new mediums that Star Wars is putting out there. So tell me a little bit about what the Bad Batch meant for you guys and how you guys found each other and then what kind of inspired you guys to go, you know, there's something incredibly by design unique about these these characters, but the own individuality of like how you guys chose the paths you chose because uh, I know that that would be a kick for to hear your side of things because we have Stevie's side of things. So I want to hear your side of how the dad batch became to be. 
So we started, I, I found myself at Kevin Weir's and I'm trying to remember, I think I, I think I was either buying something off of John or I had something he was getting off of me or like, I, I this I was, was at the B meet, grade sale, right? I was meet I was meeting John Rodriguez at the B grade sale. And like, we, we started talking to um, somebody else that we knew that was there who was working on a tech at the time. And he was talking to this other guy that was working on a tech. And I, I don't think John and, or not, nor I knew who it was until, until they said it was tech bad batch. And we're like, wait, 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 wait. Your tech bad batch, you know, like there was this like kind of moment where Spider Man's were pointing at each other, and everybody's like, and, <laughs> yeah. and it kind of clicked. And so, um, so we kind of started talking, and like at the same time, like you know, we're we're sort of looking at at I think John was already working on Hunter. Um, obviously, Joe had had tech. We, we kind of all sort of started to say, okay, well, like maybe there's there's something here because we've got we you know between Steve and me, John, Joe, Brian, like. There's the right number of characters. Levi could be Omega, and so we started to kind of congregate around this idea that we could, like, we could actually try and have the entire crew. And how often does yeah. that happen? That you've got sort of this ensemble cast, and yet there's enough people in one geography that all have the right costumes to where you can actually right. bring five or six characters that are always seen together together in real life. Yeah. So we we kind of started doing that, and. I had previously had a Lobot costume. I've been blessed with the hair to be able to do all the bald characters. Wonderful. So, you know, whether it's, whether it's Darth Iconic Maul Star or... Uh, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> whether, whether, so, some of my funniest con moments were me strolling through a convention wearing, wearing Lobot, just in hearing the things that people would say. I, I can't... It would it would affect your rating if I said some of the things because just these dudes would be just like so excited. They're like, oh my gosh. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, of course, that just the Lobot connection kind of made me first gravitate towards Echo. And I didn't, I didn't see anyone else taking an interest in that. So I'm like, all right, let's, I'll go for Echo. Um, Brian, of course, is crosshair. Steven, of course, is like just even physically Steven's perfect yeah. for, for Wrecker. Wrecker yeah. um, and, and so it, it all sort of just made sense. I mean, it's funny cause we almost all kind of like look a little bit like our characters. Yeah. It's like, it's like people <laughs> sure, with their pets, yeah. you know, right, like they right, kind of right. like look, they, they say, Oh, you're, you know, people look like their dogs or whatever. Um, I, we joke that like some of the hot toys figures look more like us than they do the characters on the screen. Yeah. But, yeah. You're right. Um, and so we, we started working on these and I, you know, I, I, I went, it's funny, it's never been a secret, but my, like my costumes actually based off of the hot toys, like live action armor. Yeah. You can really only tell if you look at my belt and it's, it's a, a live action clone belt. Everything else is so different. It it, it doesn't. It's not immediately obvious. But uh, but then my the season two is all animated. So right. right. Um, but our paints are all relatively close to one another, and so when we're standing there and we look like the dad batch, it's pretty yeah. fun. It's unbelievably cool. It's so. not. And then and and for for you guys too, you know, to kind of embrace. You know, you, you're all you carry a pretty strong following between all of you. Uh, you know, many of you guys hold you know, a, a pretty good regard for the the Legion. And like you guys embracing new Star Wars media um, is, it's a, it's a pretty awesome thing because it validates the stories that all of these people and Dave Filoni and all these people are like, you know, they're putting their heart and soul into these animations. For you guys to bring those characters to life, and I know you have a couple connections uh, with within LFL, Lucasfilm, but like, You've had a little bit of love from Lucasfilm enough to be like, this is pretty dang cool, right? And that's because 
they recognize that like, you know, there are animators who are going, I would have never, you know, we knew that someone was going to cosplay as us, but like for these guys to go as hard as they did to make literally the entire group, what was that like on that end for <laughs> for you guys to be like, yeah, man, we, it's one big happy family. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. I, I think, I think we kind of lucked into the whole fact that I don't know that we realized just how much dads those guys are in the show to Omega yeah, at the sure. time. Like sure. we didn't start out with this as calling calling ourselves the Dad Batch. It, the, the Dad Batch started as a chat group, a Facebook Messenger chat group that we all had because we would be talking about our builds for this costume. And then it, that chat group became even more precious to us because Brian moved to North Carolina. Right. And so that became our, our way to kind of stay in touch and kind of keep him anchored with with us. And and uh, and honestly, I think, I mean, that's been just being able to stay connected like that. There's that we are constantly talking to each other. I guarantee you, if I look at my phone right now, in the time that I've had it on Do Not Disturb since we've been talking, it's probably, sure. I probably have like 40 messages in that chat from those guys. That sounds so, about right. So at some point we would, you know, goof around and start the little, somebody hits the, accidentally hits the video call button, and, and of course, then everybody answers, and then we sit there and talk for like an hour, and we would do that every once in a while. And at one point, somebody's like, "God, this is we're just like there's tears running down our face. We're laughing at our own stupidity at some of the stuff we talk about. Like we should just sure. re- we should record this." Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Start a podcast, and then and then somewhere the, the chat group got renamed to the Dad Batch just because we were all dads, and and uh, yeah. and so and and I th- honestly I feel like season two has given us more of that dad angle like because we've gotten to see everybody be Omega's dad in different to, to a different degree whereas in season 1 I think it was more hunt, Hunter and and Omega and everybody else was kind of just around but we've seen those dad moments with each character and Omega they've all got something to teach her so I love that yeah we talk about that and thank the maker and I think there is a, a nice little transition in there too, Ramy, because you know some of your kids have actually been part of Star Wars productions, which is really exciting. So for our listenership uh, that's wondering, uh, you know, there are little kids, quote unquote, little kids, and there's also teenagers, and there's also uh, you know young adults that are walking around in Star Wars, and some of them are dressed up, and sometimes they're employed by other people from Southern California. And listen to you. My viewers of this podcast, I am introducing you to the dad of some of the Tusken Raiders, some of the Mandalorians. Ramy, what else am I missing? Your kids have been on Star Wars productions, and what roles have they been able to play? Uh, so my kids have been doing like kind of back. It's really predominantly background. Even the stuff that they've done in, in their shows sure. is considered kind of background acting. Um, yeah. They've done that for some of them since they were infants. Um, and so we've, we've always homeschooled our kids. And so that has yeah. given us a very flexible schedule with them. And at some point, uh, we realized that, that that was geographically located where we are. That was something that would be an interesting thing. And it would be something that would give our kids, if, you know, if nothing else, uh, some experiences to talk about through all yeah. the years. And so just through the, through the course of the years, they have built up a reputation for being kids that can be called if there's a production that's going on and and the director's particular and they need kids that can be very well behaved and they can't have any trouble on set and things like that. Um, we, we usually get a phone call for, for stuff like that. So, um, 
they've been lucky enough to be having done this for so long that that we kind of know how to see the the casting calls that come out and we'll know and I keep I can keep track of the different code names that I know exist and like I'm like sure, okay sure. if I see that that's if I see that that's coming out okay like everybody at this point everybody knows like the Mandalorian seasons 1 and 2 were Huckleberry right like that was right. the code name so if you saw anything for Huckleberry you apply for that right like yeah. so <laughs> and that uh, would have been f- foundry for this one and yeah and and seasons three and four are foundry and so right. Um, right yeah and and each 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 production had its own Boba Fett was buccaneer yeah um, and so my now sixteen year old daughter she got cast as one of the uh, Tuscan Raider kids in Book of Boba Fett um, so there's a couple scenes like there's a scene where the the gang is coming and attacking the the village and Boba Fett grabs two of the like he wraps his arms around two of the Tuscan kids and like rescues them. Yeah. Um, so she's one of she's one of those. There's another scene where <laughs> um, where the 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 warrior is training him and you know they're they're kind of in the middle and sort of battling. And my daughter's got like a gaffy stick, but it's yeah. I think it's just a stick that she, honestly she probably just picked up on set. Yeah. And she's like it. She's like very specifically watching. The, the Tuscan warrior and like kind of mimicking the motion and, and yeah. doing all the same moves as if she's learning by watching them. And so just, so there's a couple ways like that, that you can pick, pick her out of the crowd. And what's, and like, what's their experience um, like to be able to go on and, and come back? I mean, are they, are they like, are they Star Wars fans or is it at this point they're, they're not even close to the same level you're at. They're just doing a job because it's a job. I think it's, I think they recognize that what they're doing, at least based on my reaction, if nothing yeah. else is, Pretty sure. cool, yeah. um, and they they but they try and kind of act like too cool for school and like ah oh, you know it's just like whatever and yeah. um, they sort of downplay it in it but they come home with some pretty incredible stories so mm-hmm. and and Lucasfilm and the production companies are incredibly good to the folks that work on these shows um, yeah. in ways that we don't see other production companies including Disney like treat treat folks so it's it's right. a definitely a different experience so right right any any chance that we see to work on one of these productions we'll jump at and from from your perspective too when you get to see how you know like like John has been doing some background acting and stuff like that and and there's some things and, and it really makes you appreciate um, when we do get a cohesive new set of content, new set of episodes, because like there is so much that goes into filming a scene and it is like, you might be rehearsing and shooting a scene, you know, we have two people talking and in the background, we need people to walk back and forth to make it look like it's a busy city. They could do that for three hours. We got to reset lights. We got to do this. And it's like, they could be there for half a day and get two shots. Right. Or and longer. So, yeah. Or longer. Yeah, exactly. So like on that respect of it mm-hmm. for people to go, you know, there's always this, you know, in, in, in 501st people and rebel lead, like it's because we're, we're passionate about it. Um, and, and we're, and we're excited about it and, and it's easy for us to like be really invested in this stuff. And then, you know, then it's silly stuff like, you know, people going through and pausing and being like, oh my gosh, can you believe it? Look, look at the, look what's wrong with this armor on here. And I'm sitting here being like, listen, Latif just got ejected off of this giant spring loaded blue screen. That's going to be replaced with a Rancor. I'm like, if the, Cape isn't perfect. It's okay, buddy. You're not supposed to, that's not, that's not cinema. That's not the way that we're supposed to be doing this. But there's like a, 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 a funny side of the fact that we all care so much about these little things uh, that for some people they go, listen, the money, despite what you might think, the money isn't endless. 
It is not a money tree that continues to shake. And uh, sometimes there are just literally like things happen, things break. We don't have 3D printers on set that can fix this stuff within, within uh, you know, we need to shoot in 30 minutes. How do we get a new helmet? Uh, we got to figure it out. Um, so you sometimes get wonky stuff that happens when you're on set. Uh, and, and from your perspective, now that you've seen a little bit of behind the scenes, like what is your perspective of seeing that, uh, you know, as someone who clearly understands how this world works in a perfect setting and all the time in the world, but like from your perspective, like what do you see on, on both sides of the fence? I mean, look, if something breaks, gaffer's tape is your friend, right? Yeah, right. I've seen I've seen so many things, even even like just even on the shows that that run now, like those stormtroopers' legs are taped together with white gaffer's tape. It's yeah. not even subtle in when when you see it there. Um so it's some of the same things, the same the same problems that can creep up on a set from back in the 70s when they were filming A New Hope. Those same yep. things can happen on set now. Honestly, even more so because they're probably more aggressive about what they try and do. They probably know that they can beat up the suits a little more and 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 not have, you know, and have, have somebody fall down and not not explode the suit and stuff like that. So Right. I it, I'm I I think that it it gives us it gives us better content because they're able to get away with doing so much more before the suit breaks down, but at the same time they still push it to the point where it breaks down. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and I, I love the, you know, there, and I think there is just, there's what we really have seen is that, especially for the past couple months, like I've really just seen the, the crew and the cast just really embrace that this fandom exists and it's as passionate about it. I was lucky enough to get Brendan Wayne on the show to talk about his experience by becoming character, right? Have Chris Bartlett on this show, uh, a man who has played yep. nearly every droid that you've seen since The Mandalorian on, which is incredible. And Chris is like him and his little crew are making the droids themselves. And yeah. it is just like, I mean, Chris is a fan. He started just like you and me, and now this is what he's doing. Um, he's, you know, so he's a 501st member. He's a member of our garrison it literally is part of the crew you know so i i think there's something really awesome about uh you know when when you you have this hollywood dream of being like man shoot for the moon the thing that i keep seeing is that you guys keep landing on the moon that's the craziest part about all of this for me is that I'm seeing people set out to have goals and crushing them in this hobby amongst costumers, getting the opportunity, like just seeing you guys having so much fun at the premiere and doing all that stuff. I'm like, could you, like, we wouldn't have imagined this in 2015. Like this is, you know, to have this level of connectivity, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm like, I'm on cloud nine thinking about this for you guys. Is this, is this a normal feeling? Does it, you get used to it? I mean, is this, is this a normal thing? We're we're definitely lucky to be in the part of the world that we are, and to see the things that we get to see just because of where we're at. So you know, with the, I, I, it's no secret they had invited the five hundred first to come out and participate in filming for the Mandalorian. Um, right. They did it again. They did it again for both. Uh, sorry, uh, Obi Wan. Right. And uh, and those have just been amazing experiences for the folks that have gotten the opportunity to go. So, um, and and yeah, and then then. We, They've got the premieres and things like that, which which exist in other places. They do for every premiere they do here. There's usually something in New York and in London right. and, and in other places around the world. So right, that's yeah, it's 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 incredible to see this amount of people that are. I don't know. I just I what what I think it makes it's really exciting to see is that the the productions are recognizing the work that we put in as fans. 
And I see that a lot because yeah. I see I see that I've had a lot of guys who have been working on the sets and working on the shows that have reached out to say, "Hey, man, this is just a cool podcast because it it highlights the work that people are doing." And I had uh, you know Katie Sackoff's uh, stunt double, you know, who just used the sword, yeah. you know, the dark saber, and oh. cut that thing in half, and so and, good. Uh, yeah, her name is Caitlin. And you know, it's very common. I think that, you know, there was a understanding of of, you know, for people going, Oh, the Mandalorian, Pedro Pascal. That that can that is true. But then there's also at other times you're like, you know what? Most of the times you're seeing Brendan Wayne. And and this is yeah. a guy who is showing up, he's getting he's cold as hell, sitting in a mud pit fighting this mud horn thing and people are sitting there going man Pedro Capascal what an actor and it's not to it's not to discount the fact that it's Pedro as but this is Hollywood right like big names exist and uh and and also like sometimes you can't you got to insure an actor and at the end of the day it's uh, not yeah. worth it for Pedro to get hurt so that he can't go work at other productions but what this podcast and what I think this community has done really well is highlighted those people who normally would have just been a background name and a credit long in the theater after people have walked out. And that's, to me, part of why we do what we do. And we're seeing that start to find its way up to the top now, because now, right. and we still have we still have work to do here, which I'll get right. into, but like now yeah. we're starting to see Brendan and Latif right up there right after yeah. right after Pedro. Yep. So now we've got to get Caitlin and uh, Joanna up there right after Katie's name. Yeah, because agreed. they do just as much for the same right. of the same thing. So I had the chance to talk to both Brendan and Latif together at the um, at the premiere, and yeah. and I said, listen, you know, for I sure Pedro, the voice, not going to knock what he does for the character and, and yep. what he does in his career. It's awesome, right, right? 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 Yep. But but for those of us who like the Mandalorian exists because Boba Fett was created, you know. 40 plus years ago and right. that and, and he was a badass and like he had this swagger and this physicality to him and he almost didn't say anything right and yet like the the his presence like i said earlier like him nodding his head was more yeah. of a line of dialogue than anything that ever came out of his mouth right. and that was all the <laughs> body work the body work that was done not the voiceover that was done in some studio six months later. Right. So I said, you guys, that's what you guys bring to this. So you bring right. that swagger and physicality and like, and, and the community sees you. Yeah. hundred percent. Like we hear Pedro, but we see you and we, right. and we don't, don't think for a minute that we don't know that it's you guys in the suit. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I, and I think that that part of it is, is, I mean, that, and that's like, you're bringing up such a good, great point, right? Because the, the amount of people, and I've said this, I've said this before, the amount of people that can recognize, oh, those are Han Solo's clothes. Oh, that's Han Solo's blaster. Oh, well, Harrison Ford didn't make his own costume. Those were like, there were many, many, many people that, there were many people that had effects and factors and skill sets that went into making those iconic looks what they were, right? And so for us to not, to not, of course, us in the community, which I actually give the 501st a lot of credit for, uh, to, you know, to give people like Dickie Beer and Don Baez and and Jeremy Bullock and people that would, like I said, be names on a credit five minutes after everyone's walked out of the theater, like that's what that's what we live for because we want to bring these characters to life, right? We want to bring, we want to recognize the hard work and all the nuance of someone of, of, of 
someone saying, you know what? We know that we could just make it a two, but why don't we indent it? Why don't we do this? Why don't we tweak it a little bit? Someone made that decision. And so for us to be able to sit there and nerd out over trying to figure out their thought process, that's what we do, right? And I and I think of I think of Brendan being leaned up against that tree and looking over and going, is there a problem here? And, you know, Grief Karga, is there a problem here? You know, and he kind of yeah, like... And- and that knowing point, right? just just the right moment when it's time for him to shift his weight off the tree so that he can get ready. Yeah, yeah. And right? it's like, like did, I, did you catch that? Like 100%, 100%. Like, yeah, and it's like, and that is that is gunslinger mentality. That is the grandson of John Wayne going, if I'm gonna, if I gotta if I gotta be a cowboy here, then we get we're gonna giddy up, right? And yeah. that's just something that I don't see that that people fall in love with Mando exactly like you said, Ramey. They fall in love with the character and to not include those other two guys into what that character is, that's what this podcast is for. That's the work that you guys are doing. That's the work that we do in bringing these costumes to life. So I I, I'm, I, I love that and I hope I hope that we can continue uh, to be uh, a... A, a gallery of respect for those people who have made those decisions that of course we see big names, we see all this, but like to, to bring those names up to the front and say, Hey, we want to celebrate your work, your talents. That's what I, I kind of love about this club. Yeah. So I've got it. I'm, I'm going to dance around this carefully, but I've got sure. a Brendan Wayne story, a Brendan Wayne story that I want to tell. So sure. um, as we've seen, especially in episode one of this season, there are some children um, Mandalorians that are running around. So, yeah. um, and, and, and as we've discussed, I'm, I've got some kids that happen to live under this roof that, that have done some work like this before. So Brendan Wayne, Mandalorian on set most of the time, yep. uh, first off, like he'll stop in, in the suit and hold the door open for you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've heard like this multiple states, times. The, red, the yeah. red light goes off. The red light goes <laughs> yeah. off and like the Mandalorian stops to hold the door open for the dad of some background kid kids, right? Like, it's yeah. like, come on. And yeah, he's, 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 nice an, he's awesome, dude. An unbelievable so on, cool dude. On his birthday, he brought a pinata to set for the kids. So the kids could break open the pinata and have a birthday party. So I just, I just, little things like that. Like, these are the folks that are working on this stuff. They're just so nice. Right, right. And that's, and that is- Good people. Yeah, good people. And that's, and that's what makes, and then look at the people who are chewing this stuff up, like you and me. It's like, I, I, based on what we have done among our charity, what we're doing for the community uh, and, and being inspired by other people in the community who are doing amazing things too. I mean, I think that like, we're just, the world is actually quite a small place if you're not a total asshole. Like I just, I, I continue to see that more and more is that it's actually quite a small world if you're cool with each other and do put good things out into the universe. I, I feel like that might be my mantra from karma 2020 is, on. Karma is a thing. It is it is a thing of the forest, Ramy. I have to get, I have to get a little before we go here, okay? Because this has been a fantastic conversation, bringing a little insight into your skill set and and all of these projects that you have. And so again, I want to remind people: you got to go and check out uh, Ramy's profile in the Five Hundred First because it's, it is literally like a gallery of just seeing like, oh, that costume exists. Darth, we got Darth Maul. We have like a ridiculous amount of costumes that you have built. And again, Ramy, your 
inspiration, motivation, probably perspiration of ma- building these costumes, making these incredible things, man. I, I just have to say, like being in your sphere of friendship uh, has has continued to push me to get better and keep building. And I just have to say thank you, of course, for not only helping out with uh, with the ornament project, but also just being a great representation of what a Star Wars creative can be. Uh, so it has been an absolute pleasure to be able to sit here and, uh, and and talk with you about all of this stuff because I have a feeling you guys are going to have the most epic time at Celebration London and I'm going to be following along so jealous and then simultaneously going to see you at San Diego Comic-Con, right? Are we going to do this? This is true. Ah! You're, de- you're, you're, you're definitely going to see me on Friday night. There we go. So we've got a little thing called Mosh Eisley, which if uh, anyone's ever heard of it, uh, I, we, we are friends with a couple guys in bands that started a basically a... Uh they're kind of called emo nights, but we play a bunch of music of uh, uh, of the youths, and then we do a little little you know galaxy far far away twist on it. And it's going to be during San Diego Comic Con. And I actually maybe at this point can finally announce that we do have a couple costumers that are coming. Oh my gosh, could you imagine who it could be? So maybe I won't tease it just yet, but I would have a feeling if you've heard this conversation, maybe you want to put two and two. You put two banthas together. You know what I mean? So we're gonna have a great time with that but of course before we leave in true armor party tradition we have to do a lightning round Ramy, you want to do a lightning round i'm ready <laughs> all right Ramy, are you a are you a lightsaber or a blaster guy blaster Okay, but you can't. You're you're the kind of guy who's gonna give me the proper answer when I say this. You can't just say a blaster. I gotta know which blaster are you into. I'm I'm partial to Boba's blaster from the the EE three. The EE three from Return of the Jedi. Of course, it's yeah. got it's the one that goes with my kit, and I, that's one of the things that I've tinkered with and upgraded several times. Like I've got the wooden stock now, and like on mine, I can actually like I can flip it down and like it flip it open and then kind of like do this and flip it back up and there you <laughs> close go. it up and all of that. So it's, it's got all the moving parts. Like the true, the true flare gun would have been right. The, uh, exactly the Weebly Mark one. Is that where we're at? Right. Yeah. See people out there now people, I, I just got the Boba guys back on. They're like, I don't know about this guy, but all right. Uh, <laughs> Ramy, you have built enough costumes to know the ins and outs of most of them, but let's just say you are in universe of star Wars living among the people of a galaxy far, far away. You get to pick one of your costumes to bring with you. Ramy, what do you bring with Ooh. you? I think it's, uh, I'm going to cheat and say that it's one that I don't have finished yet. Oh, so I've been, I've been slowly working on this and it's not even going to work for any of the clubs. It's just, it's just this denizen character. So I've got a helmet okay. that I finished that I really like that. I really like that wouldn't qualify. It's, it's Mandalorian esque. It's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a cross between a Mandalorian helmet and a, and the, the Macquarie Boba Fett that you can actually see over. It's oh, very yeah, similar. Okay. Okay. Um, but, but I made it all grunt, grungy and I replaced some of it with fabric even. And, uh, and I'm, I'm building like, like I said earlier, I start with the helmet. So I'm building a whole kind of just smuggler, bounty hunter, denizen kind of suit around that. And I'm kind of, I'm trying to take inspiration from like dirty rogue designs and, and some of that, like the yeah. stuff that you see there. Like I want it, I want this character to fit in, in Sagarer's pars partisans or to the background of some, Seen on you know Dayu in in uh, yeah. in Obi Wan, yeah. 
So I wanted to fit in in any of those places. I love that. So somebody, that, a character that looks intimidating enough that you don't want to mess with them, but also subtle enough that they can kind of just disappear into the crowd. I love that galactic denizen. So again, if you're in, if if that sounds interesting to you, our friend Kevin Weir of Imperial Surplus is trying to put together almost yep. a uh, galactic denizen background people who would maybe fit in and just be someone who's not a hero character. They're not necessarily someone who might play a role. But if you walk into a cantina and you're looking around and going, this might not be the place for me, it's because you're seeing some of these characters that people like Ramey are developing. So I love that. I love that answer. Uh, Ramey, I've got to ask you, you know, your way around enough costumes, but I got to know how well you do around ships. What is your favorite ship that you think you'd like to, you'd like to take home in star Wars? This is the one I was ready for the most. And I've had oh, the same okay, answer here for we years. Go. So, so it's, it's the clone gunship also known as the, the L A A T slash I yeah. for our, for our clone aficionados out there. The, there we go. Um, so, but, but a specific one, you remember the, the original animated clone wars, before Filoni, when Gendy Tartakovsky, who did Samurai yes. Jack, right. do you remember the opening sequence of season two showed the clones getting ready and it jumps to the outside of the ship and it's painted with the big shark teeth on yeah. the front and it's just yeah. skimming the water? That is the most epic ship intro ever. So that one, that specific one with the, the, okay. that paint job and everything, that's that's my ride. So that one was like almost like a dark blue with like red and yellow on it, right? It was like pretty... The teeth were... The, the mouth was red and yellow. And yeah. then, yeah, it had blue. So I think they called it the space whale paint job. Okay, and, yeah. And Has, Hasbro, Hasbro made a, a, a toy of that, which of course is... is I have, um, but, and then they like recycled that paint job. They sort of did like, what would the rest of the fleet look like if it yeah, had that sure. same paint job? So they recycled that cause it did so well. Right. Um, so they've got like a, pretty much every ship from, uh, revenge of the Sith got a repaint with that style, but that gunship, cause you know, think of it like I could, I can come and pick up the dad batch in that thing. I can throw all the kids and the foundlings in there. Like it's, it's got room for everybody. And yet it's, it's heavily armored, uh, plenty of guns. It's good to go. I mean, it's, it really, it's like, it's almost like the raddest, you know, like the Razor Crest, like we kind of joked end up being like the coolest minivan that exists out there. But like the lat is yeah. like, like that's like, uh, you know, when someone shows up with like the big Range Rover and it's like, where'd you get that? It's like, well, my dad can't tell you cause it's illegal. And everyone's like, that's cool. That's kind of what the lat would be. Yeah. You're riding around Southern California yeah. with that. Yeah. And something that I've always having the aerospace engineering education like i've always been into airplanes and everything like right. we just i just did an air show troop last weekend so it's still blowing my mind that i got to hang out with f35s in in the din costume so um that that <laughs> sure. was rad the uh like literally went to like the club that night like with the pilots of the blue angels so it was amazing i'm still yeah. geeking i'm that's like I'm, I'm 12 years old again um yep. So I've always appreciated the lineage that they like, just like you can look at like the phase one clone to the phase two clone and how that turned into what we're now seeing is like the TK troopers. And then that turned right. into the, the TKs and, and, and you can see like the evolution of the costumes and, and, and then like from the, the short trooper to a biker scout. And, and you can see how the costumes kind of had an evolution. The ships did the same thing. Right. And so, and, and a lot of like some of the ships, especially in the prequels had roots in real world vehicles. Right, and that that gunship, and even the, even the sound it makes. I mean, that thing is squarely a helicopter. Yeah, it's sure. like that that clone gunship is Vietnam era helicopter coming in and, and yeah, dropping off the Huey. troops. So. Yeah, it's a Huey, absolutely. Um, and uh, and then from there, yeah, I think and and it's cool to to hear you say that because you know you can you can see. Um, 
you know, when, when Favreau was talking about developing the Razor Crest and he's like, you know, what's, what's the ship that everyone likes? Like an A-10 Warthog, right? And it was just, the, it made this sound and it was basically just like this flying, uh, I mean, if, if you heard the A-10 come in, everyone was running. It was like, that thing was terrifying. Yeah. It sounded terrifying. It could pack a punch. I mean, and but it wasn't like a particularly like sexy thing. It was just like, literally, this is a flying tank. Um, so it's cool to see the Razor Crest like do, like you're saying, pull in that real worldness of being like, yeah, there's a very specific, you know, the kind of some of the blasters having the, what's called a bullpup design. We put the magazine besides behind the trigger. And you really start to see more of that as as we're getting more content diving into that. So that's a great answer, man. I like that. All right, Ramey, I've seen cats walking around in the background of your video there. <laughs> so I got to ask this, what animal from Star Wars, would you take home and try to domesticate? This is a perfectly good question. I'm trying to, I'm thinking, I've I obviously got an affinity for the Lothcats, uh, so sure. I, I, I trying to think if anything would, would dethrone that. I'm not sure. I think, I think I'd go with Lothcats. Although we've okay. got, we've got a couple of uh, Huskies that don't make an appearance on the camera because they're not in sure. here. They're not allowed yeah. in here. Um, but they very much, they're I've got loth cats and I've got the loth wolves outside. Nice. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. So there's something about Lothal, man. You're, you're, Lothal's I, I can got, see it. Lothal's got some cool animals. Yeah. It's got good fauna for sure. Uh, so I, I would consider you, Rami, a multi tool of skills. Now, what crew in Star Wars in universe do you think you'd best fit in with? Are you see yourself in the, in the uh, you know in the shipyards of Corellia, you see yourself maybe uh, you know bumping elbows with some of the people at Coruscant. Maybe maybe in the lower layer levels of Coruscant, are you you know someone who might be tinkering on something in Tatooine? Like where do you where do you see yourself? I think I'm going to hang out with Babu Frick and his buddies. Hey, hey! <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer, man. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good answer. That is a good answer. I love that. Is there something about the Anzel and like you know just the fact that they're just tinkerers? Like, what do you think? I, I well, that they're tinkerers and that they kind of just they're sort of. I I don't I we I don't think we've seen the last of them. I think their their work is gonna is continuing. Uh, they're they're still trying to figure out what to do with the IG eleven there while Din's off and about. But um, I think they're not going to stop till they get it figured out. Yeah. They, yeah, they, I, they will figure one way or another. They're like, okay, well, we've tried everything else. Well, there's this one thing, but it probably won't work. We'll try it anyways. And then it works. Yeah. yeah I so. love that. I love that. All right. So Ramey, you got, you know, enough about star Wars to know that we've traveled to all different kinds of planets. What Ramey, if you were ever to hang it up one day and say, you know what, we're out of here. We're going to retire. What planet in star Wars would you see yourself retiring to and settling down? Man, I don't know this last week's episode of, uh, Bad Batch hit that Pabu looked pretty nice. Pabu did look nice. I, I've, I've, I knew this question was coming, and I didn't. I just still don't have like a great like. There's I don't I don't want to pick like the ones that are obvious. Be like oh, uh, Naboo. Of course it's beautiful. Yeah, so, yeah, which yeah. of course it is. Um, but I. I mean the planets are just like the ships. I just love how each planet is its own singular biome. Like there's no. Have we ever seen a planet in Star Wars that was as diverse as Earth is? Each planet is just one part of Earth, which I think is fascinating that, that that's been such a successful formula. Uh, so where would it be? I know we've 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 talked about that. I mean, it's like I guess have we? 
we've talked have we talked about this like that that yeah planets generally have one style of biome um, but they don't in, have in Star se- Wars, but not in real life, right? So, right, so. right, right. So, like the seasonal changes of being like a, a biome is pretty much like you know planetary. I don't know. That's a good question. So, so what part of Earth would I want to be on? I mean, it's that's why everybody always picks like oh, Scara for. Um, you know what I'll say? I know what I want to. I want to go bef- before before Rogue One. I want to go see Jeddah. That's cool. I like that answer. Because because the Indiana Jones fan in me wants to explore those temples where like the yeah. Obi Wan looking statues down on its side and like I like that would be like I want to go hang with uh, with the, the the Guardians of the Wills and yeah. have them give me a tour of those temples and everything. Yeah, yeah, I like that answer a lot. Yeah, that's good. And and Jedi, it it didn't. I mean, you know, you you think of like when we first see Cassie and they're getting ready to go to Jeddah City. Like Cassian's got like a parka on, right? So you're like, okay, it's, you know, and I know that for people who, you know, are making fun of me for being up in the in the frozen tundra, um, you know, I know that the desert gets cold. I'm not a complete idiot, okay? But there is something cool about, you know, just jet like when you see the people walking around in Jetta City, right? And you see all the difference in the robes and like what are people wearing, you know? It's like I do I look at that. I know you're a detail guy. I know you look at that too. So oh, yeah. I think that's uh that's a good I like that answer. The- the the pilgrim costumes from Jeddah and like just like it it would be like going to Egypt or Morocco or some part of the world like that and and I, it didn't come across yeah they were wearing jackets and stuff but the the climate wasn't overly oppressive in one direction or the other so yeah it'd be comfortable and and endless adventure yeah yeah so, I like that I love that answer that's my answer all right that's good that's good I like it Ramy if you could explore and take home one piece of the Lucasfilm Star Wars archives what would you take home One piece of the Lucasfilm archives. It's a loaded question, man. There's a lot of stuff in those archives. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to take home the index that they use to keep track of where everything is. Oh, okay. Because that would be the All list right. of everything. Can you imagine having access? Like, maybe, like, you'd never in your lifetime be able to see it all, but to be able to look through that list and take your time and know everything that's in there and be like, oh my gosh, they've got that. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, and there there is something I joke about this with people that they didn't they didn't know what they had at the time, right? I mean, they the production team respected the hell out of Boba Fett in Empire Strikes Back so much <laughs> that they painted over his costume. They didn't even say, like, let's make another one. They were like, you know, I'll just repaint it. People, you know. And I'm sitting here being like, could you imagine that happening now in any like Unbelievable. Yeah, well, they you know they know better now. But I, like, I just imagine that like it's got to look like the chamber in Indiana Jones, where you know you see them putting the, the right. Ark of the Covenant back in there, and it's yeah. just like goes on for miles. Yeah, it, it, it's got to be like that now. Yeah, yeah, I can I can imagine it would be something. Yeah, yeah, and that's I mean that's a good answer because I want to you know everyone's everyone's had their own specific little piece that they've really wanted. Uh, so that's good. I like that, uh, Ramy. I want to I want to get people in a fight over your answer on this. Uh, but tell me, because we've seen so many versions at this point, which version of Boba Fett is the best? <laughs> say I have you want, running, I have, it's probably the wrong answer. <laughs> I have a running argument with, uh, with several people on this one. And, uh, so I will stick to my guns that in that since I have, uh, the return of the Jedi Boba Fett, I like that color palette. It's, it's a little more, a little more colorful. Um, there's, there's the, the 
the the colors that you see on the jet and I like that they the colors that are on the jetpack are the same as what you saw in Django's second jetpack in uh Attack of the Clones but when he, the that. first one gets yep. gets messed up and so for somehow like Boba must have had that one and then so when something happened to his original jetpack by return of the Jedi he's rocking his dad's um I just like the extra little splash of red that sure. you get on the Return of the Jedi Boba. The details, like the belts, are different and stuff. But I think, and I, I do like that version of the gun a little more. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, th- I like the extra color, and I like uh, like the gun. But otherwise, I mean, it's it's still the same man. I mean, look, we've seen like look at the, God, look at the differences between season one and season two of the Bad Batch. It's still it's still the Bad Batch. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's still Boba Fett. This right. just is part of good storytelling that over time. He's building on his suit and he's replacing and upgrading and making changes and 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 maybe he's even got more than one and it was a Tuesday so he wore the red one instead I don't even know right, but right. it's it's still Boba Fett yeah yeah and I think that like understanding the sense of being like you know okay he started to house his flamethrower oh okay like that makes sense like yeah. we're gonna you know I'm tired of getting you know gunk jammed up in this thing and it's not it's not moving like let's go ahead and seal that thing up I think. I think when people think about it from that perspective, it's very easy. And I think Filoni specifically talked about it was that he liked the idea that there were pieces that looked like he was a little, you know, he's a little lopsided. He's got some dents. It's like he was picking up parts and upgrading the same way that we saw Din kind of play that story out. Uh, So, you know, that's uh, that's, uh, basically what I wanted to happen, Ramey, was I wanted you to answer. And then I want people to go into the comments and go, I loved everything about (laughs) Ramey, but his answer on Boba Fett was wrong. My my answer really is that just we saw an evolution of the same suit from one period of time to the next, and I want to hear the story about how he got from point A to point B. Why did he change from green to red? Why did he adjust the pouches on his belt? Give me that story. I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. All right, my final question for the uh, for the for the, our lightning round here, Ramy. You're a dad batch member. Your father, yourself. Who's the best dad in Star Wars? Oof, who's the best dad in Star Wars? Now, again, this is up for interpretation of whatever you think makes a good father, but there's something about just dad, man. What? Who makes the best dad in Star Wars? Well, I'm not going to go with Han. Han's awesome, but... I think his. I think even he would. Even he would admit. Yeah, I might have uh, screwed that one up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so Nate in the chat. I I shouldn't be paying attention to the chat because he's going to skew my answer. I would be hard pressed to argue that Bail Organa is a pretty good dad. It's an expected answer. It it's a pretty good answer. Um, you know, the, the other one that I was thinking of, and I think some of this is like not necessarily official canon, although maybe they've gotten into it in some of the books. I, uh, I, as I understand it, Lando has a daughter that he lost contact with, but he's been spending a significant amount of his life since then trying to find her. Oh, um, okay. So if that's the, if that's, if that storyline is, uh, is to be believed, uh, then there's clearly some dedication there. So I'd like to know a little bit more about his adventures in finding his sure. daughter. That would be cool. Sure. Good. Good. Uh, that's good. That's a good point. Uh, you know, I uh, maybe, maybe Django Fett, you know, recognized, Hey, we're in trouble. We got to go hey. and I got to get you out of here, man. My little mini me. I yeah. like that answer though. But I mean, me, I think but, that's a good answer. But, 
but but think about look at what we're getting right now. Like the Bad Batch is all about essentially these these guys in a father role trying to pass on wisdom and, and skill and and they're trying to prepare or Omega to survive in the universe. And what do we see yeah. Din doing? He's trying to prepare Grogu to survive in the universe. So I mean it's, it's a good Wars, time to man. be a dad in Star Wars, man. <laughs> right? That is unbelievable. So I, like, I love that. It's like, I wanna... it's like they it's like they know who their audience is, right? <laughs> good point. Good point. They got they got dad they got all kinds of dads out here being like, oh man, this show, man, they get me, they get me. I think that's it's a great like answer, Ravy. I think what we're gonna do here is well, I don't know, because you guys got stuff going on for London. I don't want to like I you know, because I want the I, I think this is gonna come out next week. I don't want to tell too much of what I already know, but at the same time, I also want you guys to do your thing. But first of all, let's talk about how it, it's out there. You guys are going to be panelists in Celebration before we go. I just want, because if people are going to listen to this, they're going to Celebration and they're like, dang, I got to meet up with these guys. Tell me a little bit about this panel that you guys are hosting over okay. in Celebration London. Okay. So I've been arguing with the Celebration folks to get the name corrected because right now it just says the Dad Patch Podcast. But I, I, I suspect the field in the database wasn't long enough to put the rest of it. But what we're actually calling this, and we're trying to do this as a series of events, we're just fortunate enough that Celebration London happened to be the first, like in, in grand fashion, opportunity to do this. We want to, we're running this like little, uh, like a, a mobile family reunion because coming out of that season of, the ornament project and the Chromtono and all of that, like the concept of this community being sort of a chosen family around us really, really struck home, especially with yeah. me. Sure. Um, and I just like, I, I kept playing with that in my head. And, and then as we were having the opportunity to apply to do a panel or, or to do a recording of the podcast at celebration, I actually actually talked to some of my friends um, at Lucasfilm and I said, Hey, listen, like, I don't want to run this like just like we're not going to get in there and just do a podcast. Like that's right. not how I want to do this. Right. I want this to be sort of a cross between what we would do and and maybe even like a meetup. Like sure. like I want to bring people together and meet these folks that we talk to online or or that comment on our posts or 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 like the folks that we see in the chat here on the side of this uh recording. I want to meet those folks because I see the things that that they do especially around projects like the ornament project and and the donations that we see and just the amount of just kind of love support. for Star Wars yeah. and how that support everybody supports each other. Yeah. I want to I want to keep that alive and and make it something real that we can like put our finger on and actually touch. Yeah. Um so so this this concept of the Dad Batch podcast family reunion being a little less about a normal recording and, and so it's not about us talking about what we're doing. It's we want to hear what our fans are doing it. Like get, give everybody in the audience a chance to tell us what's on their workbench um, and, and show off and, and talk to each other and, and share compliments and, and be like, Oh my gosh, I never knew you could do that with foam. Can I see that up close? And how did you yeah, do yeah. this? And like just these things. And, and it's not about the clubs. Like, look, we're, we're, we're loyal club members and we, we believe in, in the clubs and the good that the clubs can do, but we see that there are folks that are doing just as legendary of things, yeah. if not more so than what we could ever achieve, have no interest in joining the clubs. They're awesome, beautiful people. We, you know, those are the kind of folks that we want to surround ourselves with. And and so we're going to be good stewards of the clubs, yep. and also have open arms to the entire community. I know you're no different. Um, and so, like that's that's what this whole thing is about. So, yeah, on on Friday of 
on the on, at the last, and I asked, I did this on purpose. I'm like, I want the last time slot of the day. I don't care what sure. day you give us. I want the last time slot because yeah. whatever time it is, it's not going to be enough. Yeah. So we're going to do our show. We're going to have. Um, I guess I have, we haven't. Really, we're we're going to try and make sure that we're very mobile. We're not going to yeah. sit at front. We're going to walk around the audience. We want to we want to walk around and talk to everybody. It's going to be a very yeah, interactive that. thing. Um, that is rad. We're we're going to we'll have a couple. We've actually got somebody that's going to be in the pink shorts with the boom mic. No, I love be that. Our, yeah, our yeah, that's great. Our additional yep. mic runner. She's she's going to help us. A dear friend of ours, um, she, and somebody who you know, she Zumi. She won uh, Deborah, who runs the Underworld yeah. Attachment. Um, yeah, she's yeah, awesome. she's going to help us out with that. Um, we're we're gonna do that. Um, we want to we want to be able to at the end of that be like, all right, guys, let's go bar across the yeah. street or whatever. Like we want to yeah. keep the conversation going once they kick us out of the show. Um, right. So that so that's part of the plan. Um, we've got the opportunity. We're actually going to be um, helping coordinate and host the kids costume parade in the kids zone on Saturday. Awesome. So uh, they they've always start, they always set up a kids zone, and so the dad batch, all of the, the whole bad batch, um, will be there in costume to help with the kids costume parade on Saturday. And then so we're good. trying to set up if whether it's official or otherwise, we're gonna we're gonna try and storm the castle with the bad batch panel on Monday, and Ooh. try and get as many bad batch themed costumers to show up for that panel to the point where they can't turn us away. Yeah, whether we've that. all got whether we all won the lottery and can get into that panel or not, they're not going to be able to say no. Yeah, I love that. All right, sweet. Well, you know what? If you are planning on going to Star Wars Celebration in London, uh, and and that's in two, three weeks, three weeks, four weeks from the time of this recording, three, three weeks. Uh, okay, if you are going to Star Wars Celebration, like make 20, sure twenty days. Twenty days. That's crazy. Wow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's okay. We're and by the time this comes out, it'll be even sooner than that. So if you yeah. are if you are listening to to the Dad Batch, you're listening to Armor Party. I'm glad to be back myself, but I'm even more glad to be sharing that if you are over there for London for celebration, you got to link up with these guys. Go check out this panel. It's going to be super fun. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance that you are already a crafter, you're a builder, you're a maker. So make sure you go over and say hi with these guys. They are part of the family. We. Are one big family of people who are just clearly in love with this franchise and bringing it to life. Um, so make sure you are following along with the Dad Batch Pod on Instagram, being up in in all the crazy stuff you guys are going to do. I think it's amazing. Uh, so, Ramey, where can people find you to follow along with all of this work that you're doing and see it come to light in celebration? So, I always send people because my name is so complicated and my. Instagram handle is my first initial and then my last name because of course why wouldn't I just make it the same as my Windows login? Um, <laughs> <laughs> bad rookie mistake. I'm clearly not the uh, the social yeah. media maven that the rest of the guys are. As sure, can sure. be seen by my followers count, but um, I always send folks to thedadbatch.com because we're all okay. linked from there and you can get Perfect. from there to any one of our Instagram accounts and like we all got additional things linked from there in our bios and stuff. So like, I've got like all the 3d files that I share and we've got a great screenshot archive that we've been building over um, the course of the season for the bad Love batch um, for anybody that's working on co- bad batch costumes. Um, and that's been very much a community effort. Um, so uh, if you come find me through the, through the dadbatch.com, find my Instagram, hit my, the link in my bio and you get all of that stuff too. I'll put, you know, yeah. and, you you mentioned it. I should probably put my five hundred first profile link on that link tree. I'll do that so that it's there. So I'm just never, I'm just teeing you up, Ramy. That's what I'm doing. I hadn't that hadn't up. occurred to me yet. So good there call. Well, hey, look at me. Look look, look at us. We're we're solving See, problems why, right here. This is why you're in the driver's seat, Mike. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, Ramy, man. Thank you so much for spending time with me and letting me share a little bit of your story. It has been a complete inspiration being able to tag up uh, and, and tag team some of these projects and just get to know you guys. It, it has been truly in, in my adult uh, in my adult life, this community has become an absolute uh, will of the force for all of us as we're looking to uh, share our passions in the ways that other people understand it, they appreciate it. And uh, I cannot thank you guys enough for just being great friends, but also sources of inspiration and motivation. Uh, so, Ramey, may the force be with you, my friend. Uh, and, and again, go check out that panel in London. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Ramey, my friend, thank you very much. May the force be with you. Anything else you got to say before we sign off here? This is the way. This is the way. Now, that is a guy that you want on your side. I swear, every time I talk to him, I learn something new. And that is what this hobby is all about. Once again, I am your host, Mike Forrester. Our theme music is done by my talented childhood friend, Alton James, a composer and super geek who's been making his way across the Star Wars fandom. And this week, he's on a new project called Ceres, a black ops film that he's producing and co-directing. So give that a look over on his Instagram at Alton underscore James. Production and audio gloss from my buddy, Jason Chioda, over at New Hope Workshop on the Instagram. Jason recently dove headfirst into costuming, racking up some new memberships in both the 501st and the Rebel Legion, and is still somehow finding the time to absolutely crush his lightsaber build. So give him a follow and try and keep up. Armor Party will be hosting Mosh Isley, a punk and emo-themed galactic sing-along at San Diego Comic-Con alongside my friends and Thank the Maker and Princess and Scoundrel with the Dano channel. So follow Mosh Isley on Instagram to see how we get down if you're planning on being at San Diego Comic-Con in July. This show will sell out, so make sure you grab your tickets at moshisley.com. That's it for me. We're getting back into this Boba build. I'm stressing out. I'm going to repaint it 50 times. I know that's what's going to happen. So let's just get to it. Always try and remember that being an adult is boring, but building Star Wars costumes is anything but. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs>